welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me as always is co-host Kevin Miller. Hey John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Super excited to have the legend, Taylor Steele, on the podcast. Absolutely, man. He's been a supporter of our festival for a long time now. He's been on our jury. He came in 2017, showed proximity, and uh, what a compliment you know yeah yeah to have him here was uh was fantastic and actually um the very first film that the festival ever showed this time tomorrow you're right it was uh december of 2012 which means we're almost to year nine completed yeah into the 10th year almost to 10 yeah i mean for the record we were uh, 2013 was like our first quality uh film festival that we fully ran and then you know, so that would be 2022 would be our 10th year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But we, we did have a hiatus there for uh, COVID, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we showed we showed a screening in 2019. No, and we, in, and in we showed a screening in 2020. So yeah. I'm, call, I'm no hiatus, man. We're yeah, almost 10. I agree. Let's keep, <laughs> let's keep it going. Yeah. But uh, we're so stoked. We had a great chat with Taylor and um, he uh, fills us in on what he's working on currently. Which includes the creation of a new tequila brand, uh, the Salento. Yeah, I'd like to try that. Yeah, it sounded delicious. And uh, and also, he's uh, created the Salento Surf Festival, which just took place uh, just a couple weeks ago and ran uh, for three nights at the legendary La Paloma Theater in Encinitas, California. Yeah, I would have liked to go to that too. But, oh, by the way, you can order the tequila online for the record. Yes. Yeah, it's, it looks delicious there's three different types like they've got a white you know uh, a gold and kind of a i'm totally ruining the the pitch but you know what i mean there's like an añejo too yeah yeah it's good good looking stuff so um yeah check that out and then yeah just in uh enjoy the chat with taylor and uh enjoy a great story with uh an experience he had down in india with uh, dave rostovich dustin humphreys and mitch colburn oh yeah here we go Actually, before we get started, I just want to make sure that you save me a medium T-shirt in that shirt because. Um, oh yeah, I'm super. Oh, yeah. I'm a bit. I'm a g- good friend of Ty's, and I was super stoked to see that he did your graphics and. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was, yeah. Uh, um, it was fun that we got to have him do it, but it was just a fun festival. Um, I've been to so many of them, so it was almost like. I got to geek out on all the things I was interested in. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, Actually, a little bit too much of me on stage, and that won't be next year. But um, it was fun to interview everybody. So. Yeah. Actually, that, I mean, that's a great place to start. I mean, you, that just just happened. What was it last last week? Yeah, a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. And what's it what's it like after going to like you said so many festivals around the world? For your career and then to be the guy that's actually putting one together and being the guy up on stage with the mic and, and that sort of thing yeah the the biggest difference with doing a festival or hosting a festival compared to being in a festival is it's sort of all the perks of seeing everybody and getting everybody together and sharing a night and, and having fun and conversations without all the stress that you have as a filmmaker and living and dying by the crowd's reaction to the work that you spent a year making. Mm. So that part of it was something that 
um, I forgot was taken out of the equation. And um, I was wondering why I was so relaxed seeing everybody coming into the theater and just sort of talking and casually engaging with that, everybody. Because normally I'm sort of just a, a shell of myself with a false sort of um, confidence going into those things. <laughs> What's funny is that I would have totally thought the opposite. Being like being that I've never been a filmmaker, so I've never been on the other end. I would I always feel super relaxed because I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm or, or I'm sorry, I, I feel like you guys are relaxed. I feel like I'm me and Kevin are nervous wrecks, and we're like, oh my god, we got to get everything right. This these people spent years making these films. We we better make them perfect, you know, and no glitches yeah. on the sound and everything good on the AV. And all you guys got to do is waltz in and sit there and watch. So that's yeah. funny. To say. Yeah, I know it is kind of funny. And I'm glad that that's a, a relaxing position for you. I've literally sat behind the booth with fingers crossed and toes crossed, like multiple <laughs> and, and going, don't fucking break down. Don't break down. Don't break. You know, and it's like just work for an hour straight. And uh, that's been, I mean, we've had a few little hiccups, but nothing major so far. And uh, so what was the impetus to get this thing going? I mean, the Paloma is obviously an institution, so it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, I was just, you know, when COVID, when COVID really happened, like really sort of fully materialized and everybody was locked in their houses and that whole time was going on, I just remember just the feeling of being separated from everybody and um you know how how much i craved human contact and then it sort of opened up slowly and there was you sort of forgot how bad it was and and really there was no sort of like coming together moment for me to really make it solidify that you know we're all sort of could see each other again and I went to Australia to do some filming for a TV series and they just entered lockdown for the first time there. And it, all those memories came flooding back to how, how intense that feeling was of being alienated from our friends and family. And so I landed back in California and everything was open in California. And, but I just felt like we never really had a chance to reconnect and, and celebrate um, sort of our kindred spirits. And so then I just thought of like, what can I do and what sort of is, is sort of my role and really sort of on, you know, I, I do these long walks with my girlfriend and I just sort of was just thinking about like, what, what can I, how can I be a value to my hometown that I moved back to from living overseas and in New York for, for, you know, 16 years, how can I sort of elevate this area that um, I feel is like a really amazing surf town, but it doesn't have a lot of things that I love about New York, and it doesn't have a lot of things that I love about Australia, and how can I be a, a value to that and bring some of the things that I'm sort of maybe even starting to complain about to a town that is maybe uh, lacking some of those elements, and so that was where the wheels started ticking and, and the obvious choice is, is connecting the surf culture in a way that I resonate with. And um, 
yeah, that's that was the start of it. Um, give us you know, the name like, of give us the name of the festival, Taylor. Um, the the name of the festival is uh, Salento um, Surf Festival, and Salento is uh, a, a a new company that I started. That's tequila, and it's going to be films, and it's festivals, and it's just going to just it's all about creating memories and moments. Right. And so, um, yeah, but. What, what sort of like what I thought about in a really rudimentary way was that um, it, it's almost like how how tribes would send out somebody to explore the world and come back with knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's where I felt like my role was to to sort of share with my hometown of all the things I've seen in, in, in arts and, and, and culture and try to start incorporating that in a way. And so this is the start of it. It's, I have some other ideas that I wanna keep pushing with it. Wow, that's great. I think uh, John and I were hoping that you would say, well, Kevin and John, you're the reason why I did this. You're hundred percent of the reason why. <laughs> I was really hoping that that was going to be the answer, John. <laughs> no, you know, I, I do. I do want to give credit to some of the cool film festivals around the world that that was an inspiration. Um, I would say the New York one was one of the first ones that I went yeah. to and really had an amazing experience and saw surfing in a different light from that one. Cool. Also, there was this one in San Sebastian that was super oh, yeah. awesome. And then and more recently, I feel like you guys have picked up the the reins from almost the New York one and sort of taken it on the East Coast and really brought that in. So there is those elements and all of them are different. All of them have a different tone and a different emphasis, really. And so it's fun and, and there's plenty of space for all the different styles. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's funny because um, I believe actually the new at Tyler's festival at the New York festival is where Kevin first met you. And then that was the that was the impetus for Kevin showing a film down here, which was the start of our festival. And then um, a friend of ours, Chad Davis, came to our first festival. And then he's from the Mid-Atlantic. And then that became the Carolina Surf Film Festival. And so yeah, it's cool yeah. how they're all linked together like that. They are. They're all they're all cousins of each other. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so the um, the hiatus that you took from, I don't know, people in general really came back around and, and it sounds like it was a huge success and, and you got the, the community to come out and enjoy themselves for, what was it, three nights, I thought? I read yeah, it, it was yeah. three nights and it was a different format. There were some learnings on it, but it was, the first night was four hours. You know, it was one one ticket, one sitting, four hours. And the other nights were were two and a half, three hours, and we we had a special guest go on stage, and I, I was able to really um, just talk some stories on on experiences that we had over years, um, whether it was Kelly Slater and talking about black and white, or it was um, Mick Fanning talking about some of these adventures that we went on. The idea was to get deeper than the actual film projects and really talk about the intentions and um the learnings from them and so that was so, and, and i guess another theme was just you know how we how we sort of create these dreams and we accomplish them what do we do from those second what do we how do we recreate ourselves and and find second dreams and goals oh i love it yeah i mean and coming i mean coming off of a, a long period of time where you've been making movies and and then obviously commercial projects for 
whoever pays the bills and you know these days like uh i guess corona you worked with quite a few brands in in this um where your career has brought you sort of thing and i wanted to say uh it must be nice to take a minute and just sort of not have it be about taylor Steele for a minute and just do something for folks that you admire and you know what i mean like it's it's kind of a, a cool give back to say, all right, let's take a break. Yeah, I've, I've got way too much attention from an early stage of my filmmaking. And most of it's due to association of the group I was, was filming. But it's not something that I crave or even know how to handle in the most situations. So um, it's definitely, it was a, a time to spotlight some filmmakers that would never never would have had their films on a big screen without this platform. Um, there, there was a really nice conversation with Pat Stacy, and he brought his whole family to the event and he did a 20 minute film and it took five years to make and it was just beautiful. And we talked about how he transitioned from being a photographer into making films and he got let go from his day job with photography. He was stuck in this weird limbo. Chloe and Dino had a red camera with a water house scene and he gave it to him to use while he was traveling overseas. And it really got him out of a jam. He had a young family and it really sort of like gave him this second career. And this film was his passion project with that. And his mom was there and it was just a powerful like weight to it all once you sort of heard the backstory and showing the film it had that much more potence and, and importance. That's great. That's kind of what we always hope for. Um, there's a couple of people that come out, uh, young, mid-career artists and uh, it seems like John and I get the most excited when somebody is you know, having their hard work portrayed, their art, their art form portrayed on screen. And that was true in August with Chris Miyashiro. And it was true when Beloya and the boys came through with, with their new movie, which I, I know you guys showed that too. So it was fun, man. Um, I, I was curious, where are you on filming surf movies these days? Are you actually planning to do another one? And, uh, you know, I think everybody wants to know the answer to that one. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um yeah i i would say uh my my career my career you know like was just making surf movies and from that i've moved into um, different kinds of storytelling with surfing and some are short commercials and and i'm working on a tv series right now that's that's eight hours long and it's a, a fictional one. Um, so surf, surfing's always orbiting my space, um, whether, whatever it is. Um, but I'm starting to play around with some ideas on doing a more traditional 40 minutes surf film. That's that, um, yeah, I'm having some ideas sort of circle around right now. Okay. <laughs> Well, the eight-hour uh, narrative format is a new thing, probably, right? I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, that's a, definitely a new space. And uh, I love that challenge and learning and feeling. I feel like you're young when you're learning. So I like, <laughs> I like sort of pushing myself and, and doing that. And 
Um, we we shot in Australia, and there was a 140 person uh, cat uh, crew, Whoa. and a, a huge cast, and um, there was a lot of learnings on how to navigate that space and work within that sort of parameters, and 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 um, and 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 work in that that kind of format. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I feel like it, it's a really exciting time to be a filmmaker, and it's also um, a really disposable time as well. And so it's it's an interesting time to how you find find your own value in that production. Well, are you able to share more info on the eight hour? <laughs> Is it a series? And yeah, no, I can share. It's called Barons. And it's a uh, it's a narrative TV series based on the start of the surf industry, and it's a fictional version of some big brands and what they did to to make it. And <laughs> it's it's um, you know it's it's not based one hundred percent on truth, but it's based on a lot of things that happened, um, but maybe not all to the same crew and maybe it's a little bit more urban myth as well yeah but it's an amazing cast of young australian actors and um some of these guys are going to be huge stars like they're really good okay. and that was a lot of fun working in that capacity i didn't direct it i was in charge like a, sort of a creative director making sure the surfing looked good and then also uh, executive producer um so it was a different role but i was definitely filming surfing down there and, and and in charge of that but also creating boards and making all the things look authentic to 1971 so Whoa. okay so yeah that had to be a really fun gig how long was that well the filming process was four months but it was seven years with the concept and pitching it until it got picked up and Due to COVID, it felt like everybody was watching all these TV series and the, the need for that sort of content was expedited and we got sort of fast-tracked after it being dead in the water for at least three years. That's great, man. Yeah. I, I think you're, uh, um, I mean, that what a cool transition from your documentary world. I mean, obviously, like guys like Robert Altman went from documentary to making narrative and uh you know they bring with them this you know i know you weren't directing but like you they bring with them this feel for the authentic in those scenes where the, the way they're uh recorded audio wise and the way you know the i don't know it, it just seems like those have his special touch to them and i'm i'm sure with your creative direction that they're going to land a little more probably a lot more authentic than without it we've we've all seen what happens to some of these films that try to enter the surf you know put surfing as a sub character subplot or something and then it just unravels yeah i think usually they're those the hollywood versions are too too much emphasis on the surfing whether yeah. it's someone winning a surf comp or someone tackling a big wave um that's usually not the reason we all start surfing yeah and and it misses the the essence of surfing by doing that and so this is in that same vein where um, surfing is not the front character. It's the back character to these guys starting businesses and 
during the 70s with Vietnam as a background and um, just being surfers and not knowing what they're doing, but doing whatever it takes to sort of, um, you know, follow their dreams. And at times they're, um, they're ex exploiting their dreams. And so there's a, there's a interesting dichotomy with that. That's cool. Did you guys sell it as a pilot first and then, or did sold it, sold it as a, a, a whole series and yeah, the idea is it's, it's, um, it's an ongoing series. Cool. That's great. Very Who cool. picked it up? Uh, Fremantle picked it up and they're running with it. And ABC Australia is, is airing it down there. Um, I don't think it has a home yet in the U S but that's it. It will. Oh yeah. That's exciting. Do you have a release date estimated next summer? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this yeah. is great, man. What a cool project to, I don't yeah. know, to have you in your, uh, toolkit as well. Do you see any more narrative besides that project? Um, I, I love that, that way of sort of storytelling. I love, um, you know, what you, with working with actors and what they bring to it and how, um, how different that is than than forcing some of these pro surfers into skits and you know like where they're where they're re reluctantly doing it trying their best but not really knowing what they're doing or why they're doing it and um um yeah it's fun to work with uh pros as much as i had fun with the other guys doing that but um yeah it's 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 what i've learned over the years you know because i started out just doing everything is you bring on an amazing cinematographer, all of a sudden the images get better. And so, um, or an editor or, you know, um, yeah, the better the, your crew is, the better the whole project is. And now working with actors, they're another thing in that. Yeah. No that's, fu that's funny that you mentioned that though, because I can remember like, you know, through the, through the nineties, I, I got to college in Santa Barbara in 1990. And um, that was right, right when, you know, momentum had come out. And then, you know, you just went on this crazy tear of, of producing surf films, you know, it seemed like one a year almost or more. And uh, most of them were skit based with those guys. And I'm sure it was probably a bit of a nightmare in some regards to, to work with those guys. But at the same time, I felt like your movies, especially in those skits really helped humanize like my idols. Cause like, I feel like in so many sports, you know, the, the, the average person that participates, they look up to these elite characters and they, they just can't even relate. And that was, that, that was something I always enjoyed about your films was I felt like it made those guys relatable. And then you know, and then I was lucky enough, I'd see him in the water at Rincon or down in Ventura or something. I'd see the Malloys and, and I'd have the courage to like talk to him and say, Hey, Hey, what's up. And then it turns out they're actually the nicest guys in the world. But I thought that was a really cool aspect of those films and using those guys in that way. Yeah. Thanks. Um, it was a conscious decision, um, to humanize the, them and make them more approachable. I think that there, everybody's sort of spotlight was was increasing, and 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 we, I could feel it, and I wanted, you know, like my my goal, I sort of like 
took my role as trying to make them all likable and and mo and their surfing as dynamic as possible during the 90s that was my job is is to make them look as good as possible and i was conscious that they were they were moving into this space of being like icons and how do you sort of counterbalance that a little bit and that was the thought um and then then also as it progressed i wanted to sort of you know improve add value by doing skits that were production based and try to add add a little bit more of uh, filmmakers touch to it you know so looking back at those skits of they're pretty painful yeah <laughs> i miss uh funny they're still stuff. awesome yeah they're still amazing i love them we need more humor in, in surf movies in general and you know uh what we're showing these days we get our our fair share of it from time to time but um the uh next question i have for you basically is uh where are you going to live for the next five years are you seriously considering planting yourself because last time we talked was i'm going to spend two years here and see how it is i think you know two years there and so are you planning on just setting up roots there for a long time well um uh we you know, uh, that whole journey was based on my kids, um, you know, what was good for my kids at the time. And, um, you know, the first five years was in Bali. The next five years was in Australia. Then the next, you know, we were there probably four years before my um, daughter really wanted to move to the coast of uh, California. Um, but it was pretty much did that journey. And so now, now, um, my dream is to do sort of a seasonal thing and chase the the weather and and spend half the year in California and Northern Hemisphere, maybe some time in New York, and then half the time in Australia with a little bit of Bali sprinkled in. Okay, so that's my goal. Um, we'll see. I got it. <laughs> that's my goal year. too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I started a new business, Salento, uh, uh, I mentioned earlier, and we're launching in Australia. And so that's going to help hopefully pull me in that direction. So very that's cool. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, how was that fundraising process? Um, that fundraising process was was interesting. Um, it wasn't difficult, but it was um, the whole thing's been a lot of learning on it all. Um, you know, I, I worked for for three years as a creative director for Corona down in Australia, but did seven years of their ad campaigns. And I I figured with the I I guess I'm I'm just learning so much on all the dynamics behind the scenes besides the marketing. Yeah. And that that part of it is 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 amazing at times, is tiring at times. Um, but it's a lot of fun to have like something that I created from ground up and really thought about you know the production of it you know, the, the recycled elements um, the give back sides of it and really just thought about all these brands like Patagonia and other ones that I love and put it into this company so but th with that there's a lot of learnings and things are slower at times and things are faster at times so yeah it's but the fundraising wasn't wasn't the tough part um well, everything else great. feels like this is the tough part uh, these days I have to say with the, sorry John go ahead what were you going to say no, I was just going to say, was it was it a conscious uh, decision to choose tequila over beer? Yeah, um, 
I I started drinking tequila probably let's see eight years ago now and and um I just like the way I feel the next day if I'm drinking good tequila compared to beer and and then I just thought there was a, a value add if I could if I could educate people to stop doing shots and start sipping it and just just the overall approach to alcohol um, is a lot of times with a lot of ego and a lot of bravado and I, I I I don't think it should I think it should be just more of like a way to communicate with our friends and, and loved ones and and not be showing off or trying to get wasted it's not about escaping reality it's more about creating memories nice nice and how involved were were you in the in that process of like creating the actual tequila so the whole thing was like uh from my idea to going down to mexico for a month and really working with distilleries and coming up with the flavor notes and then um and then um designing the bottle with some designers and stuff so it was yeah yeah it, it's my it's my baby awesome very cool yeah. Um, that is exciting. Now, do you have plans to pair it with a uh, non-blue agave agave, and maybe do a different mezcal? Uh, I do have some, some ideas for some of the mezcals and outliers um, in, the, in, in that space. Um, I, but I, yeah, it, it's, it's more of a, I would say the the big the bigger thing is more of how how we're educating people on the experience of of the stories of of being present and connecting with people and so those ones will be a way there'll be a whole sort of campaign with that great to, for that message and and so we still are getting the message on the tequila side first, and then we have some ideas following up on that, that side of it. Yeah. That's cool. I, I read awesome. a great article in the New Yorker at one point, it was um, about the culture of drinking and, you know, how it follows the Irish and the Italians and the, the Germans and, you know, the, the Italians can drink a glass of wine every single night around the table with their family and, and there's no big deal. And, and the Irish get more than six beers in them and all they want to do is fight. And, you know, that's, it's just seems like goes around the, the dinner table even. So this article was actually focused on Long Island communities and it was, they had an Irish focus in Boston, I think. And then it was amazing. It was a great read. And the, those cultural, uh, I don't know, wires, the way they get programmed from watching your parents do what they do, watching your friends and all that takes some rewiring. And I like where your, your campaign's at because I've, never been a person for shots obviously you know people have their own baggage they're trying to set or get rid of and and uh it, it ends up doing the wrong having the wrong effect but i like the message that's really cool i'm excited to try it yeah yeah i, I think that especially when i was living in australia i would see it's more a little bit more exaggerated than the circles i was in the u.s and um so but I do think that there needs to be a place for people to release some feelings that they're building up and, and, you know, it's sort of an excuse to come together and it's yeah. not an excuse to get wasted. It's just an excuse to have conversations. Yeah. And that's the part I, I, I thought there was a value with it. Yeah. There's so, a fine line there, isn't there? You don't want, uh, 
I think they're we all have that friend who gets too drunk and shares all their feelings at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the right. worst, man. <laughs> yes. uh, all right. Well, that's cool. I, I love it. And uh, I was going to say, John and I always put people on the spot with surf stories. Do you have any good surf stories for us? I have some surf stories. Um, one that pops in my head is... Um, I was in India and searching for waves um, with Dave Brostovich and um, Mitch Colburn was supposed to arrive and, and, and come with us to this new, newly found wave that um, our, our, our host Google earthed and, and found <laughs> the, the week before we arrived. And they went there the week before and tested it out to make sure they weren't going to waste our time. And it's like this incredible wave. Um, I don't even think they could make the drops or anything. They're trying, but it was like, basically, they found this perfect wave for us. And for whatever reason, maybe it was due to like a contest or whatever, but Mitch Colburn couldn't get to us in time for that leg of it. And so um, we get we get to this area 12 hours south of him and he just arrived and we're like done. We've scored perfect waves and we're just burnt out. We've we've served it blew offshore all day. I got to surf three times a day. Dave surfed three times a day. It was just like the perfect finale. But Mitch has flown all the way around the world to get to us. And yeah. so <laughs> I just wanted wanted hit. There were some ideas yet to be shot, you know, like with some big statues in the background. Even though the waves weren't great, we could sort of shoot these angles. We had some ideas to shoot, so I didn't feel like it was a waste of time. But it sort of was a waste of time in in a way. Um, but we we got in this this twelve seat twelve seater bus to drive up to where he was and, and start filming. And Dave was just exhausted from surfing all day and he felt like sick. And he's just like, I'm going to stay back and I'll, I'll catch a plane up to you guys later. And we're trying to chase the end of this, this swell and, and get the last of it. So we're in a hurry. So um, Dave gets out of the car and then we take this, this 12 seater bus overnight and we have a driver and we're just going and we're just sleeping. It was me and Dustin Humphrey, and we're just sleeping in the back. We have all these Pelican cases, and we're just laying down on the ground and like just trying to get comfortable, but it's not very comfortable. I think I'm on the floor, and, <laughs> and, and Dustin's laying on the back four seats. And all of a sudden, at like 4 a.m., uh, like our driver gets in a car accident. He smashes into something, and um, it didn't seem so bad. And so he pulled over to the side of the road. And that's what I thought. But really, as I sort of like groggily wake up and look, look up, I see we're just going through bushes at a high speed. He wasn't pulling over. <laughs> he, was, he got knocked off the road and was, he was driving off a, a embankment. And oh, he starts screaming. <laughs> and I, the headlights are flying into these brushes and we're going straight down and we don't know how far that drop is it's just oh my black. god and so i didn't know if it was a 10 foot drop or a thousand foot i just know he was screaming and we're going straight down and <laughs> um um so 
it ends up being like a 30 foot uh, drop down and we hit this tree. And when we hit, we all just fly forward and Dustin flies over me and hits the dashboard. I hit the bottom of the seat and all the, the Pelicans go just tumbling all over the place. Um, everybody in the front actually was like perfectly fine. But um, I get out of the car or the, the bus and instantly in my sandals, I step into like knee deep mud. Uh, and, and so now I'm knee deep in mud and I, I feel my head and it's just gushing blood. Oh. So I go back into the, um, the bus and I ask one of the guys how bad it is. And they're like, oh, it's bad. So I grab a sarong and I tie it around my head and I don't even get a look at it. And I um, try to like get to the road to get, <laughs> to get help. And I, get, I scurry up this mud bank and I get to the top of it and the, nobody speaks English up there. And there's a, a crowd watching us. And one guy in broken English says like, in two hours, this whole area will be underwater. So cool. uh, uh, we, I have to climb back down and get my camera gear and oh. mud up the thing. And I, yeah, it, it was just like such a mess. Like uh, Dustin was moaning and his, his, he, I think he broke some ribs. Um, I ended up getting 50 stitches in my head. Um, 50, five, zero? Yeah. Oh, and, that's no uh, joke. And we went to the hospital. The hospital was really bad. And, and when they took the sarong off, the doctors screamed as well. He, he wasn't <laughs> expecting it, it, it. It had stuck. And when he peeled it off, it like flapped open. Um, oh, oh. So he did the stitches. We were in there. And then that was at 4 a.m. When we, we went in there probably 5 a.m. after all that sort of elements. And then at like 7 a.m., we checked ourselves out. And we just went to meet mitch and we're like oh i don't really want to sleep because if i have a concussion i'll not wake up so we just filmed that morning <laughs> <laughs> so the waves were horrible too it was like one foot on shore and just trying oh, to do no. airs with a, a statue in the background wow oh dave had the right idea <laughs> yeah the lesson from that is if dave ever gets out of the car you get out because his karma is so good from all the <laughs> good karma of saving animals dolphins, no kidding wow that's uh awful uh but good good result actually they yeah. could have gone a lot worse holy yeah. cow so uh john what else you got for the man anything anything good uh just just, just to tack on to the tail end of that story that that's actually one of my biggest um fears in traveling is uh getting seriously injured in third world countries um, and just, you know, you, we take that for granted, or I know I take it for granted here that no matter how bad it is in anywhere in the United States, you're probably really close to like top notch medical care. And, uh, in some of these other places, yeah, you, you just, and like I, some of the time I've spent in, in the mental wise, I was the highest level of medical care and, and that didn't make me feel good. I can't imagine how it made them feel. <laughs> for 75 miles, you were the yeah. best. That's yeah. yeah. Um, I felt pretty good, John, for the record. It's a good point, though. You know, like those situations, you you never know. It's all fun until, you know, it goes bad. And then you just. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it could be quite, quite heavy at times. And, and yeah. Yeah. So that's so, 
This is a question I've asked a few other filmmakers, and I'm always curious. Um, when you were doing a lot of those trips back in the day, I don't think most people were thinking about it then, but if you were going to embark on a trip to you know, a really remote place now, um, did you back then or would you now consider like bringing along a medical guy for that very reason? Never, never back then. Um, I haven't found anybody yet that did it back then. <laughs> um, you know, now, nowadays, you know, like we, I, I'm just not making like the same sort of projects that are, are fun, self-funded and, and where I, I'm in charge of that now, usually sure. it's either big production and there's, we had like a COVID officer on our production, you know, like wow. we had <laughs> COVID officers, three lifeguards, you know, like now it's like the far other side of that. Um, yeah. Um, the last thing that would have been in that space was I went with Twiggy to South Africa shooting a HP commercial but we had um, a couple of safety teams go with us. So there was some doctors that went with us to the remote area. So yeah, I guess. And that, that was more recent. Yeah. With Twiggy. Yeah. That was yeah. probably four years ago. Yeah. I, I feel like there's been this big, like um, kind of explosion for lack of a better word of um, the concept of safety around what we do and that, you know, all these people traveling, whether you're going for big waves or not, it's, there's definitely a, a surge of it regarding big waves and um a lot of these guys i know uh like the walsh ian's brothers the walsh brothers um those guys are doing a lot out at jaws and um you've got the the bragg institute out of hawaii and what those guys are doing and it's pretty cool it's it's cool to see that element brought into to what we do yeah i, th I think part of it is us growing up and 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 being more aware and part of it is just from hard lessons that we've had over the years. Um, but yeah, like, I think that as you become a father, you sort of like think differently than you do when you're 18. Sure. Are you an empty nester now? No, I have, I have, uh, two daughters, um, 17 and 15. So oh, you're getting close. Yeah. Getting closer. Who knows? Yeah. I feel like they're going to be late checkouts. Oh, okay. That's cool. Hanging <laughs> yeah. out with dad and mom. Yeah. Well, I just want to congratulate you on a great first year of a festival. I know what it takes. And uh, it sounds like you put together a really fun three nights. And I really wanted to come out. I was a little too busy. Uh, yeah. Next but, year. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll try to make it next year for sure. Yeah. yeah Are you going to keep it that same time frame? Yeah, roughly around then. I feel like that's a good time. U.S. Uh, Open-ish time yeah, frame? Yeah, it's, it's sort of just the, um, the locals summer is what I like the, the yeah. vibe to be. Yeah. The weather's so nice that it seems like that time of year too. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I, like, I didn't get a touch on a lot of the other things that I really want to sort of expose, whether it's art and music. Um, there's just dabbles of it. And I want to really push that next year. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's always something to look forward to. And then, um, you know, we're going to be uh, getting together on the 19th and 20th. So if you want to try to make it out for that, I'll be following up with you. And if your schedule permits, you know, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's keep talking on it. Uh, I always have so much fun out there, so it's a good excuse to come out. All right. We'll try to make it happen. Thanks again. Thank you guys. Good luck yeah. Cheers, everybody. Taylor. All right. Good luck.
All right, thanks for joining us. Um, dude, I think my favorite part of that was when he so casually dropped in the conversation that he got 50 stitches in his cranium. Yeah, no big deal. Just going over the cliff in a car with camera gear, and I don't know. It sounds horrifying. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's called a trauma alert in the United States, <laughs> and they like bring a helicopter and stuff. Can Holy you imagine? cow! Oh, I, I just. Uh... What a story. We uh, documented another one here for you. Um, usually they end up being horror stories. We, sh- we should maybe change the title. <laughs> I don't know. But um, have you got any good horror stories, John? Oh, I got tons of good horror stories. That's right. a whole episode, man. All right. Episode 21, baby. Here we go. We're going to get that going. <laughs> we might also have a little chat about the films we've selected for the 2021 Florida Surf Film Festival. We'll try to get that discussion going maybe in the intro or outro for the next podcast for november um yeah any you know early news john you want to share yeah we've got some great films coming up i'm uh, particularly excited about uh this one called water get no enemy it uh highlights the story of a couple of uh liberians and their transition from being child soldiers during the civil war in the 80s into adult surfers with children of their own and kind of juxtaposes their their childhood as child soldiers with their own kids getting to grow up as child surfers it's fantastic yeah it's a very obviously sounds like a serious subject but uh fear not there's some excellent surfing in there by two professional french surfers who score uh waves that are i mean top quality world-class left-handers yeah, Damien and Arthur are both uh, rippers in their own right, and they uh, are the two guys that went down there and made the film. And, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful film. Uh, also a great film, uh, Havana Libre, about uh, surfing in Cuba and uh, their fight to get uh, it included as national sport there. Yeah, yeah, we're giving away all the good stuff. We'll save the – actually, I'm not going to save it. We have Waterman the Duke Kanemoku documentary coming November 20th and uh, well the 19th will be another set of films but we're planning on showing it on the 20th we hope you can join us it's well worth it it's a well put together documentary of the godfather of our sport yeah it's it's just fantastic so um, yeah come on out and join us November 19th and 20th for those films Um, as always we'd like to thank our sponsors of the festival Monster Energy our presenting sponsor of the film festival um, Roar Apparel, Globe Footwear, uh, Yeti, um, Advent Health, uh, Brian Lehman Wealth Management. Absolutely. We're, we're doing um, a sponsorship renewal, by the way, here in the next couple of weeks. So, Anybody well, want to write us a check? Just yeah, <laughs> yeah, feel call free. Call me. Call me. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, a lot of phone calls to make, and uh, you'll be hearing from us shortly. But Sincerely, thank you to everybody who supports the festival. It's a great community event. Uh, we draw people far and wide. Matt Warshaw and Scott Hewlett of the Surfers Journal are going to be here. Um, yeah, I just can't wait. Uh, Jack Coleman's coming with a new project that he has, too. So just a great press release coming out. You'll see it uh, across your email inbox shortly. So that's all we got. Yeah, big thanks to Ben Gulliver for our uh, tunes, yeah, especially I I... created for the podcast. Totally. We thought we were going to have the Ballroom Stack, uh, you know, documentary for November, but uh, sadly, uh, February looks like a more promising date. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Yeah.